Hello, and welcome to the Pearls of Wisdom podcast by Colty Collective, where we share stories from Asian influencers and creators. Colty Collective is a storytelling platform for by and about Asian millennials. My name is Natasha Jung, and I'm your host for this podcast. Now, if you're listening to this in real time, it's the month of May, also known as Asian Heritage Month. Now, we spent the first week of Asian Heritage Month in Los Angeles, California, at the LA Asian Pacific Film Festival. And we got to catch up with the literal OG of Asian storytelling, Phil Yu of Angry Asian Man. We talk about the rise of his journey as Angry Asian Man over the last 18 years, what keeps him going, and conversations he's had with college kids about Asian American identity. Hey, what's up? I'm Natasha Jung with Colty Collective, and I'm here with someone you may know very well, um, quite the OG in the Asian content creative community, we have Phil Yu, also known as Angry Asian Man. We are sitting here in Los Angeles, California, outside of the Aratani Theater in Little Tokyo. How's it going, Phil? It's going good. You know, very recently, it's, it seems like that um, I've heard myself referred to a lot as an OG. And I'm like, <laughs> and I'm like, I just, it's, it's occurred to me that like, wow, that's, that's coming up a lot lately. I'm like, am I an OG? Like, it makes me feel fairly old. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, the O in OG doesn't stand for old, as yes. we know. It stands for original, original gangster, yeah. right? Yeah. <laughs> but I'm just like, wow, have I, I've reached OG status. You have. You know? yeah. and, and you know what? It's, it's not just the fact that you've, you've been creating content for the Asian American community for a long time, but it's because I think you've really been influential. So we're, before we started this uh, formal portion of the interview, we talked about how long you've kind of been in the game. Yeah. Um, so angry Asian man. Maybe just for our listeners that um, want need a little bit of a, a history lesson here. How did that all come about, and who is Angry Asian Man? <laughs> <laughs> so I guess I'm Angry Asian Man, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, a lot of ways, it's just an avatar. You know, it's not. It wasn't ever meant to be me. <laughs> it was like it's like it, it was it was a persona when it was originally conceived. Uh, so Angry Asian Man started in 2001. So I've been at this for 18 years, and. Originally, it just was like this little space on the web for me to just talk about whatever, like rant. And um, I, I, when I started, I didn't know that it was um, that we were referring to this this sort of expression as a blog. I just mm -hmm. didn't I didn't know that yet. That that term hadn't really been popularized yet. Right. And then, uh, but that's what it was, and it was just a place to sort of do a dump of you know a reaction to things I was seeing and write a little bit about my identity and community and. Mostly things I was seeing in the media, I think, mm -hmm. or lack thereof, actually, a lot of a lot of times in terms of Asians' representation. This is so early that um, this is before like Facebook or or Twitter or mm -hmm. any kind of social media really existed. Mm -hmm. But if they had, I kind of would have just channeled all that energy into something like that, like one of those things, right? I mean, we on on Facebook or Twitter, we just we make funny comments, we comment on whatever's happening right now, we share links, right? Mm -hmm. I probably would have just done that, but since those didn't exist, I kind of had to create my own little platform and then mm -hmm. it sort of that's the humble version of how it started you know <laughs> was there um kind of a a specific moment um or event that happened or didn't happen perhaps that kind of inspired you to, to actually take action because i'm sure you'd been kind of observing maybe the lack of representation mm -hmm. um, for asian americans um in media or misrepresentation even for a long time but is there a kind of a specific event that inspired you to actually you know put pen down to paper, so to speak. Uh -huh. uh, no, I mean, honestly, no, there was no nothing that sort of spurred the, the creation of the blog other than like, like I want to sort of express myself and 
sort of part of this process of creating something and putting it out there. I think, but if there was anything, I mean, the, the, the process of starting it started be way before it actually launched was sort of my own um, understanding of my Asian American identity and how that came to be. I think uh, in college, that's where a lot of that sort of work happened. You know, I think, and that's probably, and that's true of a lot of, a lot of people, not just Asian Americans, but people where you sort of figure out, start, at least start the process of figure out who you are and what your cultural or ethnic identity, what you want it to mean. And for me, my Asian American identity really, really started to form in college, you know, taking Asian American studies classes and learning a little about history and also, but also sort of, um, uh, my own pursuit of, of, of studying sort of media and, and films and television and, and kind of reconciling my, my love of this stuff with the fact that like, God, I never see myself reflected in these things, you know? Mm -hmm. And so all of that kind of, um, kind of coalescing and bouncing off each other. And, and then on top of that, sort of this, the rise of this, this new medium called the internet. <laughs> what right? is the internet? This new, this new information <laughs> delivery system. Um, yeah, it's kind of how that all started. I mean. So how would you describe Phil you uh, in college 18 years ago versus Phil you today? Oh, wow. I think like 18 years ago, I was just out of college, right? And mm -hmm. I was like, and honestly, that's also part of why it's hard the blog that I had no idea what I was doing. <laughs> you know, I had no idea where I was gonna, what, what happens after this, you know? Um, a lot of my good friends in college all were on track to be doctors. They were all the pre-meds, the pre-laws. They all became doctors and lawyers, actually. I have a very deep Rolodex of, like, <laughs> of people who are attorneys and, and physicians. That and then the third thing that a lot of my friends became were, were called consultants, which to this day, I do not know. <laughs> I do not know what they actually do, but they work yeah. for you know, very um, high-paying jobs and yeah. prestigious firms being, quote, consultants. Um, so, but they all had sort of their prescribed tracks and I remember not, not knowing what I was going to do. You know, I had a film major and I was like, should I move to Los Angeles and dive into the entertainment industry even though I don't really know what I want to do. All I know is I, these are the things I really like and love and I like talking about these things. And, um, and so the, a lot of the, the blog was born out of a time where I was like, I was working a temp job just to pay the bills and then like trying to figure out like what comes next. You know? So I had all this free time on my hands. And so I started working on this website. Yeah. I really like what you said about, you know, you're trying to figure out who you are, what you wanted to do in life. and. Uh, you know, that was, you know, as you said, 18 years ago, but um, me, myself, um, I, I'm coming across a lot of people, uh, especially um, across the Asian diaspora now, that are kind of doing the, the same thing, right? To me, like, that's, that's still like a, a, a generational gap, but it's also something that connects us all too. Why do you think, or do you think, that there are, I guess, particular factors about being Asian American or Asian Canadian that perhaps kind of force us into thinking about who we want to be around that time in our lives, like mm. in, in college and then it kind of, and in like immediately after college as well? You know, I, I know a lot of people who are now in what we would call non-traditional careers or paths or vocations, whatever, you know, for, for most of them, they did not know that this is what they wanted to do or were allowed to do, I think, when they were growing up. For myself, I mean, it's just a matter of like blogger was just not on the list of career choices right when like, I was what was a blogger yeah, back yeah, then, well, right? yeah, yeah. the <laughs> internet the was not a thing when I was growing up I mean that makes me sound so old but like I these possibilities weren't there um, but a lot of people for a lot of people like a lot of Asian American honestly a lot of Asians were not allowed like they were not allowed to look at 
choices like being in the arts or in media or to be writers or create something, those, those options were not open to them because whatever, like the pressure that comes from our, ourselves and our communities and our families, right? Um, and there's a lot of factors that go into that. But a major one is just like, there's no modeling that happens in those for you to see that, to see yourself reflect in that. Like, why would I think that I can be able to do this? I never saw anybody doing that, you know? Like, honestly, for white people, it's like, you can be anything. When people, you know, people, that's such a cliche. You can do anything you want and you set your heart to and your mind to. That's a cliche you hear all the time. But for white people, like, that is kind of true in terms of, like, because they see themselves reflected in every aspect of, you know, you want to be a construction worker? There are white construction workers. You want to see, you want to be a star who wins an Oscar? You want to be a painter or a writer or whatever, a doctor, like these things are all available to you because you see yourself in the media or whatever reflected in all those things and nobody scoffs at any of those things. A white guy who wants to be a dentist, oh, like, you know, like, it's just, you know, like you're, they're allowed to be in all those things and populate all those professions and, and for a lot of Asians, it's like entertain the idea. I want to be a basketball player. You know, a couple of years ago, that would have been like, do you see any Asians in the NBA? Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. And then some, some, and for example, something like Jeremy Lin mm -hmm. and Lin Sandy happening on a, such a big splash. I know a lot of people, a lot of Asian kids were probably like, what the, you can do that? You know, and yeah. I bet a lot of Asian parents are also like, my kid could be an NBA star <laughs> and go to Harvard. Like, and, <laughs> uh, they don't need to choose. It yeah, can't be just yeah. one or the other. It can be, you can be everything. Um, but just that <laughs> kind of example is very, just that image is very powerful. Mm -hmm. um, and so, you know, you can attribute that for being, you know, a lot of people who sort of have this late life, a delayed search for where they actually, what they actually want to do or are meant mm -hmm. to do, you know. Mm -hmm. Now, um, I understand that you have a young daughter. Um, and so for you kind of growing up in, um, in America and, and, you know, obviously being very involved in the, the Asian American community, and we just talked about representation across a number of different professions. Um, if you were to give your young daughter some advice that she would understand uh, at her age, um, or actually even, you know, when, by the time she decides, you know, if she wants to go to post-secondary and for what, like what kind of advice would you give her? Oh, gosh. <laughs> you kind of, you hope that like, you know, what they say is true. It's like, you can do whatever you want, you know, like, you know, and, and, um, and realistically, I feel like as time passes that it becomes more and more true for anybody, right? But, but I also know that like, at least my Asian American identity is something that's very important to me and something that you cannot sort of like extricate, you cannot like separate that from me. And I would hope that that's something that she also, you know, feels is something that um, informs her, her decisions and informs her identity, informs her community and who she's. Um, so I speak to a lot of college students who are, you know, like they're all concerned about what they are going to do next and where life's going to take them. And there seems to be this sort of anxiety over like, oh, you know, I want to, because what they're doing in college right now is very important to them. They're involved in like Asian American student groups and like myself, like their Asian American identity has become very important to them. But they're concerned about uh, having to separate that from what they eventually end up doing, whatever their career path is or, um, you know, like they can't overtly be Asian American in those settings. And I'm like that, like, I don't understand why that is an issue, you know, like, or I talked to a lot of people who who are out of college now and they're in their profession and I, I meet them and they're like, oh man, I'm a big fan of your blog. It was really important to me when I was in college that I came across it. That's back when I was really into being Asian American. And mm -hmm. I'm like, did you stop being Asian American? Yeah. Like, I don't... <laughs> what changed? What cha like, I don't... You didn't stop being Asian. I don't understand. Uh, but there seems to be this sense that you cannot... You have to somehow separate that or wall that off. 
a part of your identity when you, mm. I don't know, whatever you do, you know, and, uh, you know, if you enter sort of, quote, unquote, the real world and, mm. and I'm like, I don't see why that is something that you have to do, you know, um, wh however that plays out. But all that is to say that I hope my kid never has to wall off any part of her identity for, in any situation, you know, mm -hmm. like it, so overtly, you know. I hope not either. Um, identity to a person, there's, there's so many different factors involved in that too, right? We're multidimensional people and we're human beings. And, you know, I think especially in media right now, it's a really exciting time, especially uh, in entertainment, Asians and entertainment. Um, we have more opportunities, even just within the last year, to be able to tell stories that of holistic viewpoints, Asian Americans, Asian Canadians. So for you, how would you describe the shift and kind of the stories we've been able to tell since uh, August 2018 when Crazy Rich Asians <laughs> came out. I mean, there's no doubt, like, 2018 was kind of like a, kind of a landmark, like, signal year for a lot of this stuff happening. I mean, it would be kind of been building, I think, and our conversations around diversity, inclusion in general were widening and people were just willing to have them. I mean, I've been talking about this stuff for a minute, you know, like, you know, and it, <laughs> a lot of the times it just felt like I was just this, this crazy person like shouting into the void, you know, like just somebody listen to me about this yeah, stuff, you know, even amongst sure. other Asian Americans who just didn't really seem to care, you know, especially the representation of Asians in, in Hollywood and stuff like that. I mean, it's not that, like, but I've always really loved talking about this stuff, so I didn't really, it's not like it, 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 was, a, it was a challenge or something like that for myself, but mm -hmm. to see now a lot of things that I've been talking about kind of like become part of a larger conversation and mm -hmm. people having like on a, on a wider, more, more deeper level, I'm, it's cool. I mean, it's, it's, it feels like, okay, so I wasn't, like, there is room for this conversation. So there's that level. And then, and then just seeing the work, seeing, like, interesting celebrations of, um, of our storytelling and our, our you know, characters who look like me. And, you know, not necessarily telling my story, but, like, looking and seeing, like, there is possibilities. And with each one example, it inspires more people to mm -hmm. say, like, I can do that, too. Like, mm -hmm. or, or, oh, I can't wait for the next thing I want to see. And, and I could share that. And, Hopefully, not everything's going to be crazy rich Asians. I mean, but that opens the door for like to tell all these other different kinds of stories, and just the very fact that people want to see that, mm -hmm. and there's sort of a proven there is like there are metrics now that you can sort of point to <laughs> and say that is true. That that is that's a cool thing. Yeah. No, that that's amazing, and I think um well, first off, you're not crazy, yeah. right? For for doing what yeah. you did all all those many years ago and continue to do so well. But I think, you know, to, to, to your point, it's, it's a great time to be um, amongst so many other Asian content creators um, across not just uh, the, the States, but also Canada as well, which is where Kulti Collective is, is from. You know, just taking a look at even the, the crazy growth of online platforms and like Facebook groups such as Subtle Asian Traits, uh -huh. Subtle Asian Networking, yeah. Asian Creatives Network, using those platforms too to, to understand like wow like we're not alone. What's crazy though is that you were you were truly a pioneer in kind of starting that conversation. You know, you were the first one to really kind of bring those issues to light and not be afraid to, as you said, yell into the void, right? And so I guess for perhaps, you know, all the all these other groups coming up, whether they be Asian media or even just like individuals that want to kind of share their own perspective and own experiences when it comes to their Asian American or Asian Canadian experience, what kind of, I guess, advice would you give them that maybe you would have even given to yourself a number of years ago? 
I mean, I think what is happening is is what should be happening. It's like people are finding their communities. Even like there's the larger Asian communities, right? Mm -hmm. And then there's like finding your sort of like communities within the communities, right? Like, mm -hmm. and and using that to your advantage. And like, what do you want your community and your collectives to mean um, that that uplifts everybody? You know. Phil, how would you define community? I I don't know how I would define it, but I it, it is one of like the most valuable things to me. In all the years I've been running Angry Asian Man, I think the the best thing, the most valuable and best and wonderful thing that's grown out of it is the community that I've been able to build around it. You know, about around myself and because of the blog, that the people that is put in my path and the relationships I've, I've been able to make, that's like the most awesome thing. You know, that's the thing I didn't foresee and and just to have like and we're set, we're we're talking about this. We're right here in like physically in physical community in Little Tokyo right now, mm -hmm. where like so much the the relationships I've been able to make and the things that I do and happen right here, you know, in this space. Mm -hmm. Just having that sense of people have your back and shared interests and we're working together to 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 create something and to lift something up and to our shared experiences are are what's going to propel us and and being able to reach back into a shared history. And then create a future for ourselves. Like you know, that's something that I, I find that's really compelling and keeps me going. That, along with just like having people to hang out with and, and celebrate with and enjoy a great meal with, and like those are those to me are my like awesome simple pleasures. It's just like getting a drink with friends, like having a great meal, and being able to have a great conversation around mm -hmm. them. Like that's those are like perfect night for me. You know, this is a tangent, and you can feel free to. Cut it out. But I was just reflecting on this, like over the weekend. You know, we were here for the film festival, and I was I was here at the Aratani Theater, right in front of us, to watch a film. Right, we're watching Miss Purple, Justin Chan's latest film. Great film. Afterwards, I'm hanging out right here in front, and I'm like talking to my friends, and and we're catching up, and and I realized I don't have my keys. I'm like, where are my keys? Like I don't know. Oh no! Where my key but yeah. you had them before going in. I had them. I drove here. Like I. Oh right. Yeah, right? Okay, sure. Yeah. I drove to Little Tokyo, <laughs> yeah. and then, and I parked my car, and I came over and I walked two blocks to get over here, and I. Like now, where are my keys? You know, shoot. You know, when that happens, you like, you know, you freak out. Yeah. You know, I start. I'm, I'm like sweating. Like it's like. Oh no. It's like hold that up. I'm like sweating, and then like do the whole retrace my steps, go back to my car. It's locked. So I'm like, okay, I locked it before I left. Yeah. Where the hell are my keys? And then my educated guess is that it fell out in the theater while right. I was sitting there. But I go in there and I can't find it. I'm like, so I managed to get home. A uh, whole complicated process of of lift. Lift rides and, yeah. uh, and oh, no. going back and forth. Anyway, come back the next morning, and by then, um, but I so I a good friend of mine is is the director of the J Japanese American Cultural and Community Center, and I email, I message him like, yo man, I've, I lost sometimes I lost my keys in the Artani Theater. I don't, and he's like, okay, and he's able to email the you know the general manager of the theater and mm -hmm. everybody else. We'll put on a lookout, and like by the time I drive back to Little Tokyo, they're like, oh yeah, we found it. Oh good. Because I found it, like you know, but of course I probably would have been able to. Eventually track it down because it, it had been found. But being able to rely on friends and the community, the people mm -hmm. I've met, that angry Asian man has put in my path over the years, is is it was like reassuring, it was reassuring to know like people have your back and like mm -hmm. such a stupid example of losing my keys. No, but like, no. But like, <laughs> but having a path for them to come back to me made so easy. You know, um, mm -hmm. for me, I was like, and I, I walked away from that day like just thinking like, I love little Tokyo. I love this. <laughs> like I love this. You know, like you know. Yeah. That's actually a great little story there, because I mean, it's I mean, people lose their keys every day, but I I think uh, to know that a community has your back, whether it comes to providing you the latest exclusive content uh, or finding, finding your my keys. Key. No, I mean, right? honestly, like, <laughs> that night, I, that morning, I was like, 
uh, I put on social media. I was like, yo, if anybody's in Little Tokyo, <laughs> I lost my keys. If you yeah. should find it anywhere, I don't know, just like, like tell them to come back to me, you know. And, oh, like, yeah. and I put it out there, yeah. you know, not really thinking like, no one's actually going to find my keys. And, but maybe, I mean, like, but maybe, like, you know what I mean? Like, maybe, like, putting the vibes out in, into Little Tokyo and making that, that also is sort of like your anchor to community, being able to put that out with even like a, a sliver of confidence that that might work. Yeah. That's also community, you know. So, oh my gosh, yeah, yeah, actually there's a lot to unpack it, once again in that little story there about losing your keys. I'm kind of of the coming out to Los Angeles. This is my second time coming out here in um, the last like 2 months. So I was here 2 months ago and I'm back again for the LA Asian Pacific Film Festival and, and we're sitting here in, in little Tokyo, but um I had a little bit of imposter syndrome coming out here. I was like, who the F do I think I am? Like, coming <laughs> out here, like, you know, just we're, we're a growing platform on Colty Collective. But uh, I, I didn't really know who I was going to be able to meet. And luckily, you know, you said yes to, to meeting with me, and I'm so grateful for that. I mean, I guess when it comes to, to building community, what I've really noticed, though, is that everyone that I've met here is just is so welcome and, and warm and, and open to not just talking to me personally, but also introducing me to other people around them as well. Um, and I would say, like, when I think about community, especially in the Asian creative community in Los Angeles, that is my personal experience. Mm -hmm. Would you say that that's the same for you? Yeah. I mean, I've, time has flown, but I've, I've, I've lived in L.A., like, you know, it'll be 15 years in the fall. And one of the most exciting things about, about moving here and then getting plugged in was just, like, everybody's, like, working on something, and everyone's really cool about sharing and, like, wanting to, like, be supportive of, you know, because I, feel, I, I really do think there's this attitude that's, like, look, if you subscribe to this idea that we're that being Asian and being Asian American means something as a larger whole, then that person's success is also going to be your person's. It's going to be your success as well. If you're working on something, it's going to lift all the boats, you know. Um, and that's been really fun to see. It's and and having the vantage point that I have with Angry Asian Man and sort of a interesting bird, bird's eye view of a lot of the stuff that's happening. It has been cool to see people create and be successful and and you know say they want to do this thing and then setting out to do it and then doing it and then being rewarded you know and like i really appreciate sort of the um all the stuff that i've been able to witness and all the relationships i've been able to make and um, mm -hmm. it's just weird having having done this for so long now that like <laughs> the very fact that i've been doing it for so long is weird and then also <laughs> having something to show for it you know and being yeah. like you know so and then so when someone like yourself wants to talk i'm like it's, you know, it's not a big deal to me. I'm like, I, I told you before, like, I try to say yes to as much as I can. I mean, it's, 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 it's because I know that, like, people are, everyone's trying to create something, and then you need, and not that, I don't think you need help, but I, I think that, but. Like, for me personally, I'm just, you know, I just wanted to come and connect with, yeah. you know, other uh, Asian creatives, uh, Asian content creators, just like movers and shakers, and just, or even just, even like individual contributors as well. Um, no, it's just vibing off each other and getting that inspiration. And yeah. it's a bit of a reminder as to why why we're doing this in the first place, right? Yeah. In, in kind of a dovetailing off our uh, conversation around relationships, you know, there's a saying that you are the product or the average of the five people you spend the most time with. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah so uh, huh. who, who are your, your top five people you spend the most time with and how have they impacted you and your life? Well, it's definitely my family then. I mean, uh, <laughs> I mean the last couple of years... This is becoming a dad. I mean, that's uh, if there's if there's one top person, it's this two and a half year old girl. That's <laughs> that's that's the person who shapes me most oh, right now. And so, yeah. in that, she helps me develop a sense of wonder, but also a deep sense of patience, <laughs> and then also yeah. and then deep and then valuing sort of like sleep. Uh, 
<laughs> oh, um, uh, making you appreciate the little things in life, yeah. like literally and, uh, you know, <laughs> figuratively. Yeah, no, I mean, but other than that, I think, like, for sure, family, not just not just my kid, but, like, my extended family and my partner and I guess the people I work directly with, I, you know, um, my my podcast co-host is my good friend Jeff Yang. Mm -hmm. Shout out to Jeff Yang. Yeah, shout out to Jeff. He's, you know, and he's been, if anybody's an OG, he's the OG, you know what I mean? He's the <laughs> OOG. Um, Jeff Yang is a, is a journalist as well as a Hudson Yang from Fresh Off the Boat's father. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But long before he before he was a celebrity dad, he was a columnist and a writer. Yes, he was yes. the founder of A Magazine back in the day. And, like, you know, he, he was doing this work in this space for a long time, and he was an inspiration to me. And then when we, you know, eventually became friends, um, he's always been a real, um, a great person to bounce ideas off of. And oftentimes the first guy I, I sort of reach out to when I when something weird happens, I want to, like, hey, what, what's your take on this, you know? And, um, and then, so yeah, he's always been a really good friend and mentor and now, you know, partner in our, our in our podcast, you know. So over your career, you have interviewed so many people. Do you have a favorite interview? Oh my gosh, I I have interviewed a bunch of folks trying to think if there's anybody who's, who's up there. I mean, one of the, I guess I'll, I don't know if this is a favorite, but this was a, a recent favorite, so I'll highlight it. I mean, we... We had on our podcast, we had um, Shannon Lee. She's the mm -hmm. daughter of Bruce Lee. Mm -hmm. and she's the executive producer of the new Cinemax series, Warrior. I had been wanting to have her on the show for a while, but Warrior gave us an excuse to get her on recently. And um, it was my chance to just like pepper her with all these different sort of questions about Bruce Lee. Yeah. You know, that, I'm, I'm a huge Bruce Lee fan. And, and the name of the podcast yeah, is... Our, yeah, the name of our podcast is They Call Us Bruce, which is a, obviously an allusion to Bruce Lee. The namesake of our podcast is Bruce. And so I have, we had Shannon Lee on, and I just was I just able to geek out and ask her all these, all these questions. And, um, had, and also, she's wonderful. It was just, we had just like a, a blast. And, and that, that was just like a perfect sort of collision of all my interests and also just like... And then also the show being like a labor of love, like being a, a, something that, you know, I love to do, I like to do, and I, I uh, you know, as long as, like, it's, a, um, you know, we're so, like, Jeff and I are so busy as individuals, and so being able to coordinate our schedules <laughs> and then coordinate the schedule of a guest, it's like, to do this show is, is you know, it's like there's some, there's some things that have to happen, line up and happen every time we do it, and so... You even do it remotely, too, sometimes, yeah, yeah, don't you? <laughs> yeah, but being able to do it and is, is always kind of like a a joy and a labor of love, so I really appreciate those times. Mm -hmm. And so, so you've got your blog, you've got the podcast, what is next for Angry Asian Men? Well, those things I think I'll keep doing as long as I love doing it, so there will be always some form of Angry Asian Man out there. I have so many ideas for things that I'd like to, products I'd like to launch. I just, the, the time and energy kind of eludes me right now in a lot of ways. And there's also like this weird thing that I do where like, before I like launch a project that I've been thinking about for a long time, it's just like I think about it forever. It turned over my head mm -hmm. before it actually anything actually happens. It all gets planned out, and then like, and then like, okay, maybe I think I'm ready to launch it, and then I'll start work on it. But um, it's a weird like, so yeah. So I have I have like you know I'd like to write a book maybe somewhere online, and I have other podcast ideas as well. So separate podcasts. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. It's all a matter of like putting one foot in front of the other and just getting started, <laughs> I think, a lot of ways. How do you know when, when the right time is to start? Um, that's what I'm learning is, like, there is no right time. <laughs> yeah. like, you know, it's a matter of, and then it's also, like, this battling impulse. It's like, God damn it, just started, man. Like, yeah. you know, just, like, you know, and, and, and you know, that's what I've got 
They Call Us Bruce started in the first... Like, if you listen to our first episode of They Call Us Bruce, it sounds like garbage. Like, <laughs> it sounds like garbage because we, you know, we just didn't have the right equipment and things like that. But I, but it was born out of this, like, out of this impulse. Like, it's like, dude, if we don't start now, we're never going to do it. We need to just get it started and sort of, like, keep ourselves accountable to do it. Mm -hmm. We put out one episode, we have to come up with the next one, and, mm -hmm. you know, and say we're going to do it, um, no matter how bad it sounds, so that, you know, we can work on that and make it better over time, but let's just put it out there and put the content out there, and, mm -hmm. and I think sometimes that's just the way it's got to be, I don't know. Yeah. You can try to make something perfect to death before you actually ever even start it out, so oh that's gosh. the battling sort of impulse for me, I think. No, I, I totally feel you as well. I think um, I think we're both probably very analytical and very like planned out people. Um, but it's funny when you mix the creative side of things with that too. Yeah. Even for Culty Collective, I mean, like we, it's more so within the last year where we've you know put up more content more regularly and we've kind of grown our team quite quite a quite quickly as well. So yeah. we have about like twelve to fifteen people in our content like team, and they're all volunteers and they're all amazing. Um, but even before that, I, you know, three years ago, when we first came up with the idea for Colty Collective, um, I had all these like really formal business plans yeah. and had like audience personas yeah. and just like all this stuff that like, yes, of course it informed, you know, where we are today and helped guide us and get, and get us to where we are today. But at the end of the day, it just, sometimes you just got to try things right. and if, <laughs> and then see if it, if it sticks, yeah. right? Sometimes you just got to, you just got to get started and do it. Like, yeah. and, and like, you know, some things are not going to work and sometimes you just, if you, if you just keep on trying to plan it out and make it perfect, <laughs> it's like, you're never going to get it done, you know? Yeah. yeah. For sure. There's a there's a quote. I totally for, forget where I got it from, but I try to remind myself of it all the time. It's just stop thinking and start making moves. Just yeah. just just go for it. Yeah, totally true. And it's not some, <laughs> it's 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 good advice, and it's not advice I always yeah. Take, you know what I mean? Like yeah. it's something I believe, and yet it's not something I always do. Yeah, it's hard to take your own advice sometimes. Probably the hardest sometimes, yeah. right? That being said. Um, you know, there there are those such as yourself that are at the forefront of creating um, wonderful content for the Asian, uh, American, Asian, Canadian, Asian, just Asian community in general. How can everyday Asians across the globe help move the needle forward when it comes to storytelling and representation? I think one thing is just acknowledging, like, we're not all on the same page when this, you know, mm -hmm. you're talking a very about a very large group, right? That's right, yeah. And we have a lot of commonalities, and there's a lot of sort of baseline things that we all understand about each other. You know, it's just like there's so many different experiences encompassed in that, in this group. This tripping over ourselves with these uh, labels of Asian American, Asian Canadian, yeah. Asian North American. <laughs> sure, you know, yeah, like, AAPI, but I, all but, the But we stuff. kind of get it. We get what we're yeah. talking about, right? Like we're, we're part of this diasporic that has something in common. And so um, I think we have to sort of constantly remind ourselves we need to make room for each other. And then not everybody is... I think we're all kind of on the same journey, heading to the same place, but we're taking totally wildly different paths. And they're, and they're, and some people are at the bottom of this mountain, some people are up here, and we're on a different pace. We have to be sort of patient with each other in a lot of ways. Um, some people are like, when it comes to like this question of representation, we're not all always on the same um, kind of level of like understanding or nuance when it comes to that, but we've got to be sort of like, we got to get, like, we're all kind of going towards the same place, and so let's mm -hmm. let's be cool with each other. Mm -hmm. Because I always find that, like, you know, there are people who are, like, very vocal and, and, and very conscious about a lot of these issues and um, have been that way for a very long time, but some people might just be coming to their own about, in, the, in their own journey, like, realizing, making some sort of understandings about, like, oh, how, I, how do I fit in with this all, all this stuff that's happening? 
and we become impatient with the people who take too long. You know? But <laughs> it's like, why don't you care about but, this as much as I do? But you know, we 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 fail to realize, like you know, it 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 takes us forever to come around to that as well. It just it just seems new to you know, and then and then we get impatient when someone else takes that you know. Takes too long, uh, so. And I think what you're trying to say there is that everyone has their own journey yeah. that they need to go through. I think we're all kind of headed to the same place. We're just taking different paths, mm-hmm. um, and that's something I've always had to kind of constantly remind myself and remind others about. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so um, the name of our podcast is called Pearls of Wisdom. Okay. Um, do you have a pearl of wisdom you would like to impart on our listeners today? It can be anything, like a life hack. Something, something you know, your your young daughter has taught you, or just you know, when it comes to anything in your approach to life, what is your pearl of wisdom? In lieu of anything, I can really offer of my own, my own original thoughts. <laughs> I'll <laughs> offer my favorite, my favorite quote from uh, from Bruce Lee. Okay. Uh, that is, "To hell with circumstances, I create opportunities." There you go. Yeah. There's so, a little mic drop if we were yeah, mobbed up. <laughs> yeah, if we were mobbed up. If I could, if it was so, if it wasn't so cumbersome to take off this lavalier mic. And <laughs> Not the love. Yeah. The mic is our friend. <laughs> there, there are audio technicians around the world who hate the idea, who hate the expression mic drop because, like, no, no, don't do it. It's too expensive. <laughs> so once again, um, this has been a wonderful chat with Phil Yu, also known as Angry Asian Man. Thank you so much for your time today and. Um, all the best, and we'll see you uh, on, on the journey. It's been my pleasure. <laughs> Stay angry. Stay angry.